coach, I'm just curious as to what, what the next step forward here is for the team as you guys move into another week of basketball. Yeah, why don't we just evaluate this game? You know, I'm not into what our next step forward is right now. We just finished the hard fought game. Yeah, I don't know if, like when, what's your hardest class? Econ. Okay, so say you just had the toughest econ test in the world. And when you walked out, somebody asked you, what's your next step? Uh, you see what I mean? This is the Five Point Play Podcast, the diehard Duke basketball band podcast. Wow, what a roller coaster it has been. We played three games since we've been on. We got a lot to cover there. We got 11 games left in the season. We're going to give you our predictions with that. But first, of course, we have to start with a little bit of controversy. The, the, the press conference heard around the world. Uh, <laughs> honestly, it reminded me a lot about how I talked to you on this podcast. Um, so if I've offended you in any way, um, AC, over the, over the oh, last few years. Um, talk about the Coach K um, addressing the uh, Duke Chronicle student reporter who is an econ major, if you haven't heard that yet. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, Coach K is a horrible human being. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Coach K has lost it. AC, what is your read on this whole thing? Yeah, that's, see, that's why we led this podcast out with that. That's why that's, that was our little opening thing because this, this is so stupid, man. I guess, I don't know, man. Like, you know, obviously the, the media has been under fire for, you know, the last however many years, right? And so maybe at this point they're all just – just so gun shy or whatever at the, about anything at this point. But like, obviously like opposing fans are going to take this and run with it. Cool. You do that because you're an opposing fan. Absolutely. That's, that's your God given right is being a UNC fan or, or a Kentucky fan to do this. But for the press, like I, I, I saw some reasonable comments of honestly, this is really not that big of a deal. This is outside of Duke, by the way, outside of the Duke realm, I've seen some reasonable comments of this is really not a big deal. You know, the kid, some people are saying the kid asked a stupid question. Some people are like, Coach, you know, what I mean, Coach K did, did, a, did a dumb thing. You know what I mean? Like, you've, I've seen both sides of the entire thing. So, my personal take on it is I, I really, truly don't understand this world anymore. <laughs> I don't understand how, at this point, Coach K giving an analogy to an econ major, asking him what his major is, and, and then using that as, as a tool to, illustrate how he feels i i really don't understand how how that is such an egregious act man like i i I used to teach a public speaking course where that's exactly what you do you find out what someone's interests are and then you you take that and you put that into the realm of whatever question you're asking or trying to answer and 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 you make it something that's relatable to to the person that you're answering the question for like that is that's like that's a rapport building tool like that's what it's called and was he doing that 100% no was he being a little snarky sure they just lost a game was he being like was he being a dick no like and and, and is he a terrible human being uh, come on man like what world are we in dude yeah no it's it's uh it's certainly a um you know I, I called it uh it, it's it's low hanging fruit for for haters to jump on but it's not even just haters it, it's, it's you know normally haters is you know, UNC fans, Kentucky fans, um, you know, the Seth Greenbergs of the world. But but really, 
Even um, Seth was but, on Kay's side on this one. But yeah, but but, 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 but yeah, but you know, to my to your point actually is that haters now is is Twitter, all of Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, all of social media. It is mm-hmm. who can we cancel next? Yep. Uh, this is just so stupid. Um, do I think that Kay uh, handled it great? Not not really, but I, I think he's pretty much nothing. He's stupid. Right. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where yeah, he used an analogy. Was it perfect? Probably not, but I get it. Um, but you know, again, it's a coach who has just lost his third straight game. Um, he's not used to winning. It's been a up and down season uh, from the end of last season. You know, there's a lot of frustrations there. The whole thing is just so stupid. It, mm. it, it it's, it's blowing out of proportion. Something that doesn't need to be blown out of proportion. The K haters are obviously going to jump all over it. And you know, I don't even have the the uh, the patience or the energy to even get in and do it with them uh, because it's just so such low hanging fruit that uh, that you want to blow uh, out of proportion, and it it's just an inane conversation that we're having. Yeah, and and um, it's and it really it mirrors it mirrors the conversations that we now have together, like you know, over social media, or over the internet, or whatever. It's <laughs> It's no longer there's no, it's no longer fact finding. It's no longer give give a good opinion with good basis, and it, it's literally just people who barely have journalistic degrees who are f- find the hottest take possible, say it out loud to the people who will hear it the most, and then just run with it. Like like people saying that Co- Coach K is trying to end this kid's career. He probably actually made this kid's journalistic career. Quite yeah, honestly, right? uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it's, you know, what I mean, so it's like. It's it, at this point. It's it's sens- it's sensationalism at its finest because, it, I, it, whatever. It's like you said. It's a name. Why like why we even have to talk about it? It's silly, but we have to talk about it because it's Duke News, right? So whatever, man. I, I don't. I'm, I don't even think that the, the question was a bad question. I thought the question was fine, so I'll give the, the mm-hmm. credit there. But I don't. But somebody actually asked me, he goes, you know, do you not have any empathy? This kid is a student. He's one of our own. Oh, my gosh. And and I was just like, dude, just shut up. Like, this is so stupid. People have hated teenagers for years, and now all of a sudden he's a student. He's a victim. First of all, all, like, what are we talking about here? He's Yeah, he's a student. He asked a very reasonable question. I didn't think Kate jumped all over him. Nope. He's another coach that – that you know, it wasn't like uh, Jim Calhoun jumping over that guy about, Correct. you know, come come get some facts and come see me. Like giving them f bombs, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was an it, it was fine. It was a fine question. The answer was fine. I don't care. It's immediately after a loss, and of course, because it's 2020, 2021, Coach K had to call and apologize. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry that I say something mean that you might have been offended by. I know oh my gosh. We got to be offended by everything. I'm so offended. Oh, how about here's it? Here's something. Uh, don't get offended. Just don't get offended. How about that? How about you just be a big boy and don't get offended at the, at the answer? How about that? Uh, moving on. It was after it. It was after a third straight loss against Louisville. Um, you know, Duke has, you know, they've had their struggles this year. But AC yep. lost another game where Connie came down to the wire, 70 to 65. Um, I, you know, I'll be the first one to admit, I thought we'd lose this game, but I thought we would get blown out. I guess if you're looking for a little bit of silver lining, we didn't get blown out. 
there were some nice things there, uh, you know, against Pitt. You thought we'd win against Pitt. I didn't think we'd win. But just because, and then just the reason I, I say that is because I think that our ceiling is just so low right. that we can't afford to make the mistakes that we made. And, and even against Georgia Tech, which we'll talk about in a second, uh, we still made a lot of those mistakes. And we don't have those patented Duke runs in us to counteract the mistakes that we're making. So, kind of give us your overall feeling and takeaway after those, you know, the last three games. Yeah, no, there's two big things that that came to my mind. But to really quick, just to touch on what you were just talking about, about the margin for error for us being so slim. It truly is. And Louisville, I think we texted during a game and I said it. They Louisville truly, like, that's that's the mirror team for us. Like, that's our sister program right now because – both teams are like two-man teams with virtually no bench, no production in fast-break game whatsoever. You know, pretty bad defense, if, if we're really being honest about it all. And two teams that are struggling to hopefully try to make the NCAA tournament. Like, that's – Duke and Louisville absolutely mirror each other right now. Just look at the – you can look at some of the game analysis stats, second-chance points. We're tied 10 points each. Bench points, we actually outscored their bench 10-6, to six, go figure. Fast break points, virtually tied. We had two, they had zero. Like we don't, we don't do the things you need to do to be able to create runs. That's just not our squad. Like for whatever reason this year, whether it's play style, whether it's the players we have, I, I don't know what it is, but we can truly not. We can't generate runs. We don't get the turnovers you need to generate runs, and then we don't score on the other side to generate the runs. Like that's that's huge. Like in order to generate runs, you got to be able to get rebounds or turnovers. So you got to change the possession. And when you change the possession, you have to take advantage of that change possession, change of possession by scoring. And we don't do that. So we, we do it in spurts. Like when we're down 15 against Pittsburgh, we'll do it. Right. But we won't do it. You know, we won't do it in general when we're up. We won't do it when we have our, our, our foot on a team's throat. And that takes me to my two points about this Louisville game. This was actually a very winnable game. We lost by five points. This is a winnable game for us for two distinct reasons. Number one, Matthew Hurt was absolutely unstoppable. He was six for eight from the floor in the first half and inexplicably only took five shots in the second half, three for five, by the way. He was very efficient when he took those shots. And then Jalen Johnson was subbed out of the game around the 16-minute mark, didn't check back in until 9.48. Seven seconds later, he was taken out again. And didn't check back in and against uh, until one minute and 25 seconds left in the game. Yes, he was a turnover machine when he was in the game in the first half. Absolutely, there's no denying that. However, when your best or second best player, have whatever, however you want to put Jalen in that category, if he's our first best or second best, whatever, he's 1A, 1B with Matt Hurt, he can't go and play four minutes in the second half in a, in a tight game against – a, a decent Louisville team, a team that's, you know, at least, at least as good as you are and, and expect us to win that game. There's no way, like, I guess it was a message being sent. I don't know, but we're, we're past the point of having messages sent, man. It's over. Like there's, there's no more messages to be sent. I don't know what other message you need other than we have lost three games in a row. We're not going to make the tournament. Here you go. Like message sent, man. Like, in-game messages don't need to be sent at this point to Jalen Johnson. I'm sorry. So unless he was hurt, unless he was dealing with something else that we don't know about, on surface level, it looks like it's turnover issues. Because when he subbed back in at 125, by the way, four seconds later, he creates a turnover. He he gives the ball up and is subbed out immediately until the 25-second mark at the end of the game for the last shot. 
So again, like it, it to me on the outside, it just looks like a message that was being sent. And quite frankly, I'm I'm done with that at this point. Like that's that's December stuff. That's stuff you do in December, not not January and February when every single goddamn game counts towards you getting into the NCAA tournament. Unless unless you truly really are like we're good enough to make it or we don't care about making the tournament this year. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that's a loaded question, you know, to me, but I, I want to keep it on. Uh, and, and it's a good one, but I think I'll actually touch on that in, in a future segment. But, um, you know, just talking about these games, I want to talk about defense uh, because we came out against Georgia Tech and man-to-man, which I was happy to see. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that going into this stretch of games, you know, you had brought up, you know, going zone. Look, we got to do look at what zone looks like for this team. I don't love it. Uh, that doesn't mean that man to man look great, you know, against Georgia Tech either. Where we are just, we talked about it uh, during the game when we're texting back and forth. Um, so many missed assignments. So they're so late. The game is moving way too fast for this team. You know, where there are multiple times where someone is is driving and the the help defender is coming down and missing their defender, uh, their own man on the wings, leading to wide open threes. Um, the spacing is terrible on offense. It, it is just, you know, they are a, a second behind where the pass should be. Um, I, I just look at it as this team, the game is just way too fast for them, especially on the defensive end. For sure. And the zone, and, and let's like, you know, let's not get it totally twisted. The zone in spurts was very effective against Pittsburgh. Sure. And in spurts, it was very effective against Louisville. The thing is, I think, I, I get this feeling that Kay used it exclusively in the first half of both of those games to try to keep guys like Matt and Jalen out of foul trouble. That's my assumption, especially if yeah. you're not going to sub in Henry and Mark, which, by the way, when we get to Georgia Tech, those two subbed in and look what we're able to do. However, you know, we get to the point of – and we played that zone to, to keep guys out of foul trouble, it seemed. So against Pitt, a team that theoretically was – one of the worst, if not the worst shooting team in the ACC at, the, at that point decides, okay, now we're good at shooting threes again. So, you know, bad timing for that. But it, it, theoretically, analytically, it looked like that was a good decision. Louisville is a two-man team that if you can extend the zone a little bit, push those guys out some, and control your weak side, things are good. But we didn't control the weak side whatsoever. So we just got burned on the weak side that entire game. So it, we and we talked about it over text, like you mentioned. I don't. I don't want us to play zone the whole game. Like when you play zone, K, he teaches this at his coaching clinic now. Especially since he starts to implement zone. If you're playing a zone, if you're a zone team that kind of mixes man in, you go zone and then you press after the zone, and then after that press for a little bit. You don't press the entire game. You don't press for ten minutes. You press for small segments, and then you go back to man for a little while. And then once they've gotten used to running their man sets again, you go back to the zone and kind of shut them back a little bit. You, you know you that's kind of the ebb and flow and how you change your defenses. And we didn't do any of that until the second half. And really at that point, it was too late. Yeah. And so when you see the man to man that we saw against Georgia Tech, mm-hmm. what are you seeing there? Cause I see, you know, you can always talk about uh, the fact that, you know, a lot of our guys are just getting blown by time yep. after time. That's yep. one thing, but I'm also seeing just a very last days uh, movement on the help side that the movement is way too late. The help defenders are way too late, mm-hmm. uh, or they're over, or, or they're over committing to leaving their own guy wide open. And and I saw that a lot with DJ Stewart. I saw a lot with Matthew Hurt. I saw a lot with Jalen Johnson. I saw a lot with uh, 
with Rondell Moore. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, I I just don't get it. I don't get it at all how you can be so inept uh, on defense aware of just DJ was the, and I'm not trying to pick on DJ, uh, but I just happened to notice it with him a lot that he loses where his man is all Mm -hmm. the time. And so that, where do you, where do you see Kay making those adjustments? I know they're going to point it out in film, but how do they get them to realize that, hey, look, yes, it's great to help out, but you can't be leaving these guys wide open on the, on the strong side all game long. Because they must have gotten six or seven threes that were wide open looks, and it, it almost cost us to get. Yeah, it's, it's going to have to be a confidence thing. Like, we don't have we, – we don't have what we've had in the past, which is two guards who can help control the perimeter – and then those two guards are kind of combined with at least a serviceable interior defender, unless unless we are, unless we are going to now see the renaissance of Mark Williams and Henry Coleman getting into the game and and helping control the paint. Now, with that being said, those two cannot be allowed to switch out on the perimeter because that just takes that all away. And like you're saying, they're going to get blown by as well. They don't they don't play perimeter defense, so we need to find and Kay's going to have to manufacture ways in the man to allow those two to, to stay in the post and, and switch out and, and remain down and help because them being switched out on top and, and the picking actions up top, it, it just, it's not helpful at all. So unless we're going to play with them in the zone, then I, I mean, that's, that's what we're looking at with them, but they absolutely can be great assets in the man, man, which we saw last night on the interior it's just that weak side is going to have to be taken care of. It, it was bad in the zone. It's been bad in the man. So obviously, like yeah. you said, it's something that I'm sure has already been picked out in film and it's going to have I'm, to be. I'm sure. Yeah. But winning winning a game does a lot for your confidence. So it, it, to me, I don't, I don't think these guys don't know how to play basketball. I think a lot of it has to do with second guessing themselves and being timid. And you can see it on the shots we take. You can see it on how we drive to the basket and don't get to the free throw line anymore. Like we are timid yeah. all over the floor. So Maybe maybe winning is that that little bit of medicine that helps pick that up because that's something that's going to have to change. Like we're going to have to dictate action. We cannot keep reacting. Yeah, I know. I think that that's a lot of great points there. Um, one of them is, you know, I was actually happy to see Coach K's reaction uh, at the at the final buzzer. You know, he no, realized and we text. I was I wasn't happy about. It. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, look, he he understands that any win for this team is a good win. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's right. I think that that is absolutely correct. Any any win for this team is a good win. Um, but you brought up a lot of your points. And at, at the end of the day, we did find a way to win against Georgia Tech. I want to point out a few things. I thought that the message clearly had been received by at least DJ Stewart early on in the game, right out of the gate, driving to the rack, trying to get you know some contact into the line. It was the first game that we've had maybe all season where we had more Free throw match than the opponent had attempts, so that was a great thing. That was a great thing to see. Um, it was really good to see Mark Williams come in, give us 13 minutes. Um, you know, he he had a couple miscues early on in the game. Kay stuck with it in the first half, allowed him to to kind of work through some of those mistakes. By far from a perfect performance, but it was nice to see a little bit of production. Uh, you know, Henry Coleman he only played three minutes, but and it wasn't by any stretch of the imagination a phenomenal uh, out, output, but I did like the presence that he had on the floor. Mm-hmm. I, thought he, I thought he did a couple of nice things. He certainly hustles. Um, 
you know, with with Matthew Hurt, he's just he's just a weird guy, man. Like, you know, he'll come and, and give some of these Dirk Nowitzki plays, and then other times just get completely blown off the ball. I can't. Yeah. I, can't I mean, you know, I mean, he, he, his his contribution uh, is not on defense, right? Like, no, he, of course not. His offense is worth his offense is worth the points because it puts pressure on the other team that have to score, which is that's defense in itself. Because when the other team is so pressured, like you see it with Gonzaga, when you're so pressured to score and so pressured to score, eventually you crack under that pressure. And so that's the the one thing he can do is give us that. He gives us that pressure for the other team to score. So I, it, you you kind of have to take it. You take you, we can yeah. I, go ahead. Go I ahead. Just ask, I just want to ask one question: Can Matthew mm-hmm. Hurt please, when he is running out on shooters, mm-hmm. can he please put his freaking hands up? Honestly, what does March actually say? Hand down, man down. She just get your long, lanky arms up, man. You're closing out on a shooter. Please put your damn hands up and make them shoot over an outstretched 6'11, 6'10, you know, wingspan. Right. Because he is, he's, he has shown in the past at least a good, he's a good help side shot blocker. That was one of the things him coming into college was. One of his strengths was was weak side shot blocking. He even showed some of it last year. He hasn't had a chance really to show it much this year because we, I mean, no no one on the other side of the floor can stop anybody. So for him to even get over from help side defense is it's not even a question. But you, no, you're right though. Like that's a fundamental practice that you know. Hopefully, again, these things are being brought up in in film, but they have to also be put into play, and you have to be put into practice for you to make it muscle memory to do it in games, like. So hopefully that's something that he catches on and, and continues to work with. So two guys that we did not mention in this game's recap are Jeremy Roach and Jamin Brayfield. So let's mm-hmm. take a little bit of time to talk about these two guys. I want to start with Jeremy Roach. He's the point mm-hmm. guard. We have been very vocal from the beginning of the season to now that we are going to have to live with the ups and downs of Jeremy Roach. Mm-hmm. He's had some really nice performances against your Virginia Tech Hokies. He had a very good game. Um, he's put up 20 points. He's had seven assists with no turnovers. Last few games, though, he hasn't he hasn't played well. He's a guy that, um, you know, if you look at his numbers against Louisville, zero points, over three, over two from three, four rebounds, two assists, two turnovers. Um, Georgia Tech. Uh, play 16 minutes again, no points again, over three again, over three from three point, only one rebound, no assist. You know, those are the last couple games that he's played. Mm-hmm. I can live, I can live with the inconsistencies this year because I see it as the bigger picture. Now, have you changed your opinion at all on Jeremy Roach, or do you still say, Hey, look, we got to live with the growing pains, it's not time to panic on him? Or are you like, you know what, it is time to panic. We need to go see if we can get somebody else. No, 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 absolutely not. There's no there's no panic in, in my feeling on him. And this is actually – this is when we talked about this in the podcast earlier on about how he's going to look great and then he's going to struggle and then he's going to win some games for us again, those types of things. This is actually the exact stretch that I had a feeling. It's, it's, it's so classic freshman, man. It's classic yeah, freshman. Yeah, it, 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 it is. January, February, you just you for whatever reason the you know whether it's just game pressure or what getting into the ACC schedule I don't know it's just it's one of those things you're either a super freshman and it doesn't you're immune to it and in in that case you're going to be the first or second pick in the NBA draft or you're like every other freshman and you go through it 
And right now he's going through it. And he doesn't even look like like the kid that I know who Jeremy Roach is. Like, it, it's almost like you can't recognize this player. So he is absolutely going through the mental and physical hurdles of dealing with the season. And I can guarantee you within the next two or three games, we are going to see him back to being what he was. Like, he hasn't hit a three since the beginning of the Virginia Tech game. So, you know, I mean, that, that's that's a big deal. Like, he's shooting 20% from three right now. He's he's on a major three-point shooting slump. So that that's I'm sure that's affecting him. I'm sure the turnovers are affecting him. He's he's turned the ball over quite generously the the last few games. And and that is that is absolutely on him to to make the right plays. Like he's coming down across half court and he's just immediately tossed into the wing. Like he's running plays like exactly like like a normal kid would run in high school. Like run down, get across half court, hope you can make it pass it to the next guy so that you don't have to worry about it anymore. He's playing like that right now, and that's not the Jeremy Roach that I know. So and I'm not panicked yet. There's no reason to panic. Like, we know he's a good basketball player. We know he knows how to play the game. And we know he's a freshman. So this is exactly what we could expect was going to happen. Yeah, you know, I think that uh, the point about this time of year, you always see, you know, some sort of freshman, if not, you know, the majority of them have a little bit of a lull. That is understandable. It's certainly understandable um, for him specifically because this is kind of who he is. We we knew that coming into training camp uh, that he was having some inconsistencies there, that he wasn't playing his best. He was taking a long time to kind of learn things. But then, you know, he kind of wowed us with some of his performances. So we're mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe, maybe he's finally gotten it. So there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I don't think it's time to panic because – my thing again ad nauseum is we have to prepare him the most we can for next year. And I know that that means to many fans and, and understandable that that means I'm giving up on this year. Uh, I, I think that the ceiling's so low on this year that I'd rather have him out there for 35 minutes a night than have him playing 16 minutes a night, even with the mistakes that he's making. And AC, I understand that there is certainly no substitute for in-game experience, but can you see a scenario here that, again, he only played 16 minutes against Georgia Tech, pitiful stat line, Coach K is trying to win that game. I understand that 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 perspective that, you know, we have to win this game at all costs, mm-hmm. so he can't, he can't be out there. Um, can he, how much can he really learn from the bench, you know, watching as opposed to actually being out there? And, and, does, it, and does it help us in the long run? Uh, yes and no for winning games, right? So if we're winning, obviously it helped. Like, it helped get him out of the game and all that. He, it can help the player if the player knows either that game or the next game, they're going to have the confidence of the team and the coach to get back in there and try again. Like, if it's if it's like a Joey Baker scenario where who knows when you may get back in the game ever again, no, that doesn't help you, right? But if uh, Jeremy Roach, I think he has... I, I think he has the equity with Coach K to where, okay, you had a bad game. We're sitting you out right now because things aren't going well. Next game, let's get you back in there and see what you can do. And I, I think that's where we are with it. I think I, I don't see this as a, oh, my God, the sky's falling for Jeremy Roach in, in his own mind. I, I, it can absolutely be a motivator and a give him some time to see things develop type of situation it's, it's if, he, if he knows that he's getting back into the game. That's that's where I sit with that. So let's let's move to Jim and Brayfield then. Uh, and this is the know, opposite right here. 
<laughs> this <laughs> is the know, exact here's, opposite here's right guy, here. Here's a guy that, you know, give me a break here. So no pun intended. Um, <laughs> here's a guy that, uh, you know, I, I predicted coming into the season that he's going to be the guy that's going to surprise everybody. Mm. He surprised this a lot quicker than mm. we anticipated. However, as I really believe is the case, after that Notre Dame game, had a great had a great night. Um, then we have a couple uh, unexpected cancellations with Pitt and FSU. Thank God. Um, and I just think O'Connor took the wind out of his sails, mm-hmm. and he hasn't been the he hasn't been the same player since. You know, in the last three games, he's played a combined ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is a guy that you know kind of thrives on energy, um, on emotion. He has three rebounds in three games, two points in three games. Uh, I mean, th- this is just not enough of a sample size, but clearly the staff is seeing something that where they're like, mm-hmm. all right, we can't have you out there, bro. And so what do you see with the rest of the year for, for Jamin Brakefield? Is this just another slump, uh, uh, you know, late January slump for a freshman? Or is this something bigger where, you know, this might be it for him this year? Um, and we just kind of, you know, kind of roll with it. Like part of me, part of me wants to say it's something bigger, but we've seen that he can be helpful. We've seen that he brings energy. We've, and I'm not even going to talk about a shooting yet right now. Like we've, I'm, let's talk about the intangibles. We've seen that he can get on the floor and scrap. We've seen he's been willing to get out there and communicate. One thing that Kay absolutely loves and adores. The big problem is right now is that in, in his spot, Wendell, Matt, and Jalen are outperforming him. And then you throw in that Mark and Henry are now gaining some time. Let me stop right there. Wendell, I'm not throwing into that. I'm not throwing Wendell into that. You that don't is, think that, he's outperforming Jamin Brinkfield right now? Right I, I, now? I, 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 right now I, 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 in the last three games? Let me answer the question. Okay. Let me answer the question. <laughs> the, the ceiling is so insanely low for outperforming that, yeah, He's certainly sure. not performing, but not to the level where he only gets two minutes a night over. Wendell shouldn't be taking all of his minutes. Like if you were to just stop at, you know, if, if you want to try to get shoehorn Mark Williams in there and try to see what he can do, I get it. Uh, Wendell, to me, is like he's the most frustrating player on this team. I've done a complete 180 on Wendell so far. Like, I don't even know how he just got here. I don't, I'm not even sure. I just can't. Like, <laughs> Wendell makes so many dumb decisions on the court. That why is he garnering twenty five minutes? Like, what are we doing there? And yet, and still, tell me that Brayfield can't get ten of those. I'm not saying he can't. I'm saying he's not. I'm I'm telling you what's happening. And what's happening right now is that Wendell is getting Wendell. Jalen Johnson is back. Meaning, Jamin Brayfield was taking Jalen Johnson's minutes when he was gone. Right? We can we can yeah, pretty sure. much establish that. Yeah. So now Jalen's back. So he's got his minutes back. Wendell is playing the minutes. And then throw that throw into that whole mix that Mark and Henry have have now seen time considerable time in the past two or three games. And where does that leave Jamin? He's not a point guard. He's not a two guard. He there's no other spot he can fill. So yeah, his minutes are now being taken by those guys. And like you said, maybe they're seeing something in practice that says we want Wendell in the game more than you right now. I don't know what that is because when we see the yeah. games, I'm with you. It doesn't look good. But however. It's what's happening. He's not <laughs> playing, and Wendell is. So that's what I mean. Like, what's he have to do to break that? That's that's the big question here. What does he have to do to break that that scenario and find his way back in? Like, his, his shooting 
it was one of the things that bothered me coming in was his shooting form. He's got a very slow shot and a very low delivery. It's that's yeah. a, that's a difficult shot to maintain over a whole season. So he's not going to change his jump shot from now until March. Like that's not going to happen. So how do we get him buckets? The staff that they've worked on trying to get him those those baseline opportunities. He's got some looks on the baseline. He's made some nice moves on the baseline, getting those opportunities when he gets them, but he can't live off of that, especially with Matt Hurt and Jalen Johnson trying to run the lane and trying to run the horn sets and some of the floppy sets that they're running together. They're commanding the lane. So you can't really have Jamin in there too. He's got to be able to sit on the outside and he hasn't made a three since Notre Dame. He's only taken a couple, but he hasn't made, made one and he's really not taking them at the moment. So his confidence at this point is fried. So it's like, what what do we do to get him back? And this is what I mean by the exact opposite of Jeremy Roach. When you ask the yeah. question about Jeremy sitting, can that be helpful? Yeah, like if he's going to get back in the game and he knows it, then yes, that's helpful, helpful for him. But Jamin sitting in this scenario is not helpful because he has no clue if he's going to get back into the game. And the answer is probably not. So that's where I see the difference. It's like he's really one of those kids who has to be on the floor and and kind of get that game time to get get it under his belt. He's not a come in and give you instant points type of guy. I mean, no one is on this team, let's be honest, but he's not that he's not that guy who's going to do that off the bench for us. So he does need considerable time on the floor. And with those hurdles and obstacles that are in front of him, those five, essentially five players that are ahead of him at the moment, it's, it's, it's a hard timeshare. Yeah, no, I think that's perfectly explained. He, you know, the chances of him getting back into the game once he's been taken out are probably not very high. So mm-hmm. his confidence is going to be shot. Whereas um, Roach, I agree, is probably more just, you know, kind of fearing headlights a little bit right now. Yeah. Uh, he's just playing timid. There's a difference between playing timid and and just a pure line confidence has been drained out of me. Because mm-hmm. at least with him, he knows he's probably going to get back in. All right, that, that's the stuff with okay, Damon, so think, Real quick, the stuff yeah. with Damon really reminds me of – Andre Dawkins in that 09-2010 season, the national championship season. And he's talked about it in his own podcast about how it took him some time to just finally accept that he was going to come in for Nolan and then John was going to come in for him and then he might not play ever again. Like it, it just right. he and he, he has the personality to accept that. Whereas Jamin does not have that personality. He's Jamin's he's he's a little bit of a dog. He's a leader. He wants to be one of those guys who's out there barking and talking to the other team and stuff. One of those guys that we're truly, really missing, and we don't we don't yeah. have it right now with him, you know what I mean? And, 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 and I agree, and I think that that's one of the reasons why, you know, that break um, that was unexpected really mm-hmm. hurt him because he yep. was being vocal. He was being that dog coach. He was talking about him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that obviously is going to do the opposite. That's going to build your confidence. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so I, I do think that that is one of those things. It did take the wind out of the sails. Um, and it's really hard to be that vocal, you know, that much energy uh, when you have no confidence because you, it, it's almost so forced um, that you, you don't, it doesn't feel genuine. It doesn't feel real. Um, so I can certainly understand uh, where he's coming from on, on that. So hopefully um, we see him, um, we see the staff try to figure out a way to get him going again, because I think he is a true, true asset for this team and, and the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, but speaking of the future, AC, we have 11 games left. We're probably not going to reschedule those two other games, uh, the Pitt and the FSU game. Yeah. One of Hopefully which, not. one of which, I am very happy that we're not going to. Hopefully not. Uh, let's, let's be real. But I'm going to play a little game called Rapid Fire here with you, where I'm going to ask 
you to just give me, don't give me any of your normal AC rants. I want just a yes, a W or an L for each of these 11 games, and I will tell you what I have as well. We are starting Saturday at home versus Clemson, win or loss. Win. I'm going to go with a loss. At Miami. Win. Win. Versus UNC at home next Saturday. Loss. Loss. Tuesday after that, Notre Dame at home. Win. Win. At NC State the following Saturday. Win. Loss. At Wake Forest that Wednesday. Loss. Loss. Uh, I can't be able to do this. Um, Virginia. Saturday the 20th. Loss. Loss. <laughs> Syracuse. Oof. At home. Oof. Loss. I'm going with a win. Uh, Louisville at home on the 27th. Win. Going with a win. Now this is going to be called a winning streak. Uh, <laughs> Tuesday, second to last game at Georgia Tech. Win. Win. And then finishing up Saturday, uh, March 6th. At UNC, 6 p.m. That's our win against UNC. Oh Jesus, lost. All right. <laughs> so, where did you where did you end up on that? Uh, I think I had one, two, three, one, two, three, four losses in the last eleven. Seven and four for the last eleven. Yeah, I, I went. Uh, I went five and six. You know, so it's it's, it's crazy to think that uh, that I would actually have. More wins, but I did have that three-game stretch there on Syracuse, Louisville, and that yeah, Georgia Tech. Got us on the heater um, there, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got a kind of little three-game winning streak there, um, which I believe puts us at exactly 500. Uh, I'll just ask this real quick. That probably doesn't get us in the tournament, and with your four and seven, that definitely does not get us in the tournament. Correct. No, so so I was seven and four. So I had seven wins, four losses, is what I had. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. yeah, seven I'm and four, seven sorry. and four. So. Okay. Seven of seven and four puts us in. I think especially if we do beat Carolina at Carolina and some of those other opportunities for wins in there, that puts us in. So thirteen and nine puts us in. I think so. We might need some help in the ACC. We might. I, no way we win the ACC tournament. I'm not saying it, that. it would be. But, it would be eleven and seven in 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 the conference. And you might be right. Right. About that. If if um, we can win maybe a game in the NCAA or ACC tournament, I think we're like fully safe but if we like if we go into the ac tournament and just get dogged out first game or something then that might that might be one of those they'll be very happy to put us firmly on that bubble in, in my opinion so yeah um all right well we at this point that's what and that's what it boils down to we control our own fate like bottom line <laughs> indeed you know six and five four and three um we'll see what happens all right so let's let's, let's wrap this one up we do play Clemson Saturday, uh, noon game. I hate the noon games, but it is at home. Uh, if I heard you correctly, I did believe I hear you say that we were going to win this game. Yep. Yep. I'm putting okay. put me down for a win for this one. Uh, Clemson is a team on a slide right now. They are, they just got just completely, absolutely assaulted by Florida State, which Hopefully, you know that gives that gives us some tape. I'm not saying we can do the same things Florida State does, but that at least gives us something to look at to see what kind of weakness Clemson had. Because earlier on in the season, Clemson looked like this team that 
everyone on the team could score and they played some rugged defense and they were winning close games, but they were, you know, they were, they were putting the, they were, they were putting, they were dictating the action. Whereas the last few games, they look like they have not been able to do that and they have not shot well, which really, really does. You know, that, that goes right back into, are we going to play zone? They, they are one of the worst, again, same story as Pittsburgh, one of the worst three point shooting teams in the ACC. So do I think we're going to see some zone? I'm sure we'll see some zone. Will we see some zone with Mark Williams and Henry Coleman in the game? God, I hope so. And Jamin, throw Jamin back there too, please. Like let's let's put let's put our pieces out there, man. Because I think we, we need it. Like Amir Sims is a really good player. Outside of him, they don't have a lot. We're not going to turn anybody over. Like as, even even if they decide to turn the ball over, we're not going to turn anyone over. So I'm not I'm not banking on that. But I do think we can out rebound them, and I think we can turn those rebounds into points on the other side if Matt Hurt and Jalen Johnson are doing their thing. They had a good game together for the first time this season against Georgia Tech. Not a great game, just a good one. And I think that can be helpful moving forward. Same with DJ Stewart. That's three players with good games. DJ more so in the first half than the second, but I think that's something that's helpful moving forward and it's going to help kind of propel this team a little bit. And getting a win, you know what that does for confidence. So put me down, Duke winning this game 70-65. to so the last three games that Clemson has played, they do play tonight, uh, the day that we're recording this uh, against Louisville. Um, they've gotten blown out. So mm-hmm. I uh, fully expect them to lose to Louisville as four straight losses. Uh, I do, I do think it's going to be an ugly game against mm-hmm. uh, against Duke on Saturday. Um, you know, we, we just we can never get out of our own way, and so even when we did get up against Georgia Tech, we just had so many stupid turnovers. Uh, and then just boneheaded plays on on the defensive end, and I just I can see another drag out, you know, type of game at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, we've only won one of them. It was against Georgia Tech. It was the last game, which is great. Um, I just still see some growing pains with this team, and that's the only reason I'm picking a loss. Uh, I hope that I'm wrong. I very rarely am, but I hope that I am. Um, <laughs> and then and then add that to had, the trash uh, can segment. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, AC, I, I wish I wish that I was wrong uh, in my prediction against Louisville, against Pitt, against Virginia Tech. No, you got, you got I wish right. I was wrong against home. But um, and even even last night against Georgia Tech, I I told you before the game that called me crazy, but I think we're going to win this game. Yeah, sure yeah, enough, the, the, the kid was right again. That's why they called me the kid. Okay, now we have Monday Monday night. Uh, quick turnaround, mm-hmm. seven p.m. game. In Coral Gables, Miami. What do you see? Miami stinks. What do you see? This is the Isaiah Wong and Chris like special. This is like you said, Miami stinks. However, it's Duke. Even if we're bad, Duke, it's Duke, and Duke's coming to town, and those two are going to absolutely go ham and score probably twenty five apiece. So they they have they have a good score in Isaiah Wong, and that's kind of where that ends. But you know, Chris likes that's what that's what that kid does, and I'm actually. Uh, I'm not mistaken. Actually, I think Chris Lex actually might be gone, so we might be in luck there. If he's out, because I think he opted out. If he if he's out, then we're good. Um, I have to double check that. But he's only played two games this year, so I'm assuming yeah. that he's not going to come back for this one. Yeah. So the the assumption here is that they don't have him cool. Even if they did, I think we could still win it with those two going nuts. But yeah, this this is not like you said, not a good team. They don't do anything. They don't have an identity, just like us. So I think we at least have the talent pool to take over this game. So we're going to win this game, and I think we'll win it by, like, 75-65. 
you know, I think we win this game as well. I mean, they like they do stink. Like we're not good, but they they do stink. They just got blown out by Notre Dame and uh, and Syracuse. Even after uh, somehow finding a way to beat Louisville, but before that, they got blown out by BC. So uh, maybe it is that they just get up for bigger name teams. I don't know, they but do. um, I, yeah, and which which I understand, but I, I think that uh, at some point that that usually levels itself out, and I think we're able yep. to get a win in Miami, in South Beach. This will be our last podcast before we got UNC week. It's going to be a lot different uh, this year. Yeah, we got that UNC podcast coming up. But we got we got a lot to cover there. But look, Duke, has, Duke is on a winning streak. Don't let me bring you down. Duke is on a winning streak, and we got to build. We got to put This year is all about building. We are building for the future. We don't rebuild. We reload. But let's be real. We are rebuilding AC. Let's see what happens on Saturday. Let's see what happens Monday night. And then we pick on the Tar Heels. Go Duke. Let's go Duke. Hey, guys. Thanks for checking out the Five Point Play podcast. Like, comment, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And also check us out on Twitter and Instagram. Five Point Play podcast. Let's go Duke.